Hello and welcome back to my podcast, uh, Dan the Butler, My Life in Private Service. So episode five, uh, Divide and Conquer and the red flags I look out for with staff and clients. So I'm going to start with Divide and Conquer. Um, and fortunately, I rarely experience this now, but it does still exist. So what is Divide and Conquer? Well, in short, it's a way for the main principle of the house to stop new staff gossiping or forming a relationship slash friendship with existing staff. And they do this by creating a negative atmosphere or negative feelings between everyone. To me, it's an odd thing to do because every time, in my experience, it ends up, after a few months anyway, of the staff having stronger relationships than they would have if they had been left to their own devices. And the first time I saw it happening versus the first time it happened to me was definitely an eye-opener. So typical examples of a divide-and-conquer move are things like inviting the newest member of staff, always when they're meant to be working, to come and sit at the table and eat with the principals and then have the existing staff wait on them. Or constantly telling the staff how wonderful the new guy is, giving the new member of staff an extravagant gift in front of the staff, or denying a staff request for a specific day off because the new guy now needs it. You get the drift. Um, the point is to really make the existing staff angry and not want to talk to them. And 100% in the moment, this works. I always say, no matter how big the house you're working in is, when you are working with multiple staff, there is no place to hide. And it can feel quite small. And when divide and conquer is put into play, tensions do run and can run extremely high. The kitchen and the laundry room, well, they tend to be our water cooler places for staff discussions and definitely from personal experience, you do not want to be the point of that discussion of a disgruntled housekeeper or chef, as these two positions as a butler really are the hardest to win over. Now to reiterate, this rarely happens nowadays and one of the great bonuses of now being a freelance butler is that I am engaged solely to take care of the family and their guests in a hospitality setting so there is no need for me to get caught up in any in-house politics with existing staff. And for any long-term clients that are recruiting, they will look to me to interview and train new staff. And, you know, it's a very small world with domestic staff nowadays, so we all pretty much have our trusted housekeepers, butlers, drivers and chefs for short-term bookings at second homes that are used infrequently during the summer months. I mean, I guess from an employer's point of view, initiating this divide with staff only really happens when the main principal does not want their dirty laundry talked about, or to that end, any personal information with the new staff. But it always backfires, as with people who behave this way, tend to have high turnovers of staff, and it does not take long for the new guy to not be new anymore, and so then the cycle repeats itself. And, you know, it's really quite toxic. Over the years, I have seen some terrible behaviours from clients and staff, 
which I'm going to tell you about now. But I will say it's a tough lesson at times to learn to be quite cut and dry with bad behaviour. Some staff will have travelled thousands of miles to take up a position at a moment's notice, changing continents even. And when you know the consequence of having to terminate a position can mean them being stranded is heart-wrenching. But you just can't have this sort of toxic behaviour in somebody's home. Now, if anybody listening has seen the reality show Below Deck, you get a glimpse into their contracts that, should it not work, work out, the boat is then responsible for flying them back to the country of what their passport is. But this is not a given in domestic service on land, so you really do have to be savvy, and if you are moving a far distance to take up a position, be sure to always have a backup plan in case it doesn't work out. So I'm going to tell you some stories now that I've encountered with clients and staff that have helped me spot red flags early on. Well, my red flag number one is when staff take a position to widen or upscale their friend base. And for me, it's now quite easy to spot. This story I'm going to tell you is about a housekeeper. and I'm going to call her Susie. Now, this definitely shows my point about needing a backup plan, as not only had she travelled from New Zealand to Europe for this position, but she'd also flown her dog over too. So my first encounter with Susie was at a villa in France. I'd been engaged for three weeks to help out with the full villa, and she'd been employed as the full-time housekeeper. I'd started two days before her and had already moved into the staff cottage on site. Now, not to bore you with too much detail, but to set the scene, the son of the owner had just arrived and was entertaining 20 or so friends, dinner every night with a chef, etc. And I was engaged to serve breakfast, lunch and dinner and deal with the kitchen cleanup plus communal areas. And Susie was engaged as the housekeeper for all cleaning and washing of the whole villa, plus serving for some of the dinner time with me. Well, the first week, went by pretty uneventful as I was doing all the anti-social hours. I was up first to breakfast, last down after dinner, so I only really saw her during the day when she popped in and out of the kitchen. When I retired overnight, she was always downstairs in the lounge drinking a lot of wine she had taken from the main house. I only really engaged with her once at night and it was a hot, slurred mess. No judgment, I also love to drink, but I just found it cleaner if I just went straight to bed. Now, Susie had sass, and I don't mean that negatively. She had a real way of being brash, sometimes borderline inappropriate with the guests, but always choosing her moments so she got away with it. She was super chummy with them all, and really friendly with the ladies and flirty with the guys, but... Her time spent in the communal areas forming these new friendships increased and her time cleaning decreased, which in a house being used by 20 people becomes noticeable real quick. By the start of week two, however, problems did start to arise. Apart from the state of the house and her morning hangovers, she was now taking from the house food, toiletries, more wine, but... What stood out was the essential things like toothpaste and deodorants. 
Now, we were getting paid weekly, so I asked her if everything was okay, and she just told me she had to deal with something which had now left her short. I did notice, though, now she had what looked like a brand new Louis Vuitton handbag. Now, genuinely, I don't care what you spend your money on. This is not the point of the story. But by the start of week three, she was now asking to borrow money for essentials. And I noticed that she had what looked like a pair of brand new diamond earrings. So this was the start of learning about this red flag. She had stopped becoming a housekeeper and in her mind had started becoming a guest. And more importantly to her, a friend to the existing guests. And she thought that by blowing entire salaries on handbags and earrings, she would be viewed by the guests as one of them. Now, don't get me wrong, being a cleaner or butler does not mean we can't have nice things. I love nice things and I will buy nice things, but they will be for me for a job well done and not to create an illusion of being like my clients, especially if it means by buying these things you can't eat and have nothing left. Now, after the son's and friend's departure, what Susie discovered was that none of the guests she had been trying to cultivate as new friends had accepted any of her friend or follower requests, and that the few that had reluctantly taken her phone number had not given her theirs. So after after their departure, we did have a private rental, and um, they were a new group of wonderful people from New York, and although Susie did try again, with the same approach to befriend to befriend them, it was not reciprocated. And that definitely triggered something in her and things went more downhill with her very quickly. Her drinking got out of control and without going into detail, she definitely displayed psychotic behaviour with mind games and traps towards everybody, which got so uncomfortable and in some cases frightening. It was clear that this villa was not for her and the owners terminated her contract, leaving her and her dog homeless with little money in a strange country. But what really baffles me is that for the brief time she did actually work as the housekeeper, she was very skilled and great at it. And to think it all spiralled out of control because she was looking to make friends and upscale her lifestyle and it just did not happen for her. You know, to be clear, I have friendships with a lot of my clients, and but this takes years as I'm there first and foremost to work for them, and we're all clear, but when I'm in their employ, what, whatever she ran from, I guess, in New Zealand became an issue for her in France, and now with years of experiences spotting this red flag of looking to someone to upscale their social circle or maybe even find romance with clients, it's very easy to spot even at interview stage, especially with their word choices and questions. So this next story is not only to highlight the red flags to look out for, but also to show the importance of running proper background checks on new staff. If you heard an earlier episode of mine, you might remember me saying the importance to me of letting my clients know I am Royal Household Approved, as these are some of the most intense background checks you can do on a person, but most countries now do offer an employee or an, em- or an employer to get a security background check that's official. So a new Guardian couple had been employed for a villa I was working at. 
Now, a guardian couple is a position where you are engaged all year round to offer maintenance and basic cleaning when the owners are not there and to act as some form of security. You get to live rent-free and bill-free in a staff cottage on site and get paid a monthly salary on top. It's a great job, especially if you were great at time management, as when the house is not in use, you can really find that work-life balance. Anyway, this new couple, let's call them S and F, were interviewed on a phone call by by the owners, and their immediate availability should have been the first red flag. Unfortunately, the current current guardians were leaving under a cloud, shall we say. In fact, I think they're going to be my next story. So the owner was desperate to find a replacement as the villa was booked solid for the next few months. Now, I say red flag for their availability as this was because they were working in another part of the same country, but they were looking to relocate ASAP. It's weird to me that no questions were asked at this point, but they literally agreed to be able to move within three days. They explained that they'd resigned from their post a while ago and had already been replaced and they were staying on site until they found a new position to go to. They also explained they had no money to relocate or a car to relocate them. Now, me saying red flag, red flag to these examples is not as harsh as you might think. Yes, of course, people can fall on hard times or not have much money or things in the bank. and They can be the best person you've ever employed, but you just must, must, must get those background checks done. So the owner owner organised them transport and they arrived looking nothing like their resume photos. And I don't say that to me to be mean, but they looked at least 20 years older. But here they were, now, on site, with all their belongings. S, she had a massive drinking problem, like a bottle of whiskey by lunch kind of problem, and it was just impossible to be in the same room with her as her behaviour was a train wreck. Although, one thing she did that still makes me laugh is that she made this yoghurt cake It was like in the size of a panna cotta and she would make hundreds of them and leave them in random places all over the home. Behind curtains, under beds, in the cars. I never saw anybody eat one but she just kept making them and leaving them all over. Now, F, her husband, was a real Lothario and I mean, I think 20 years ago he was probably a real head turner but... He had not been so kind to himself with drink and lifestyle, and those days were definitely behind him, but he would turn up to the villa wearing nothing but a speedo and hit on anyone that looked his way. He did not care. Male, female, he was going to be into it. But as much fun as it was trying to either cover him up and get him to put a shirt on or encourage him to go back downstairs before the client saw him, S would inevitably appear, totally smashed and... They would have a full-on fight in front of everyone. They just had to go. They lasted three weeks, and Fiona, just wanting them out of her house, organised them an Airbnb for four weeks in the next biggest town so they could regroup. Sadly, getting them out needed security guards, and the Airbnb ended up costing a fortune as they vandalised it, costing thousands and thousands of euros worth of damage as payback. 
But the worst outcome was that they had caused damage to a lot of the systems in their staff cottage on site. Routers, telephones, uh, everything. Cables had been cut. And when the internet company came in to restore the connections, they discovered that they were also accessing illegal sites on the hard drive. So everything had to be handed over to the police. So always do your background checks and never recruit in a hurry, especially if they're going to be living on site. Use an emergency or, or an agency or temporary staff to plug the gaps until you find the right people. So this staff red flag story is of the previous guardians to SNF. Now, I really liked this couple. She was the most experienced housekeeper I have ever met, and she made every room she walked into sparkle. She was amazing. Admittedly, he was harder work, but still a nice guy, and I enjoyed talking with him. So thinking about a good work-life balance, they took this guardian role thinking it was going to be easy street. Now, I don't mean they were lazy, not at all, but they were older, not a red flag, and had really paid their dues in life. He was a former policeman prior to the pair of them running their own restaurant for 20 years, and this is where, when recruiting, you need to not only look at their skill sets, but also personality and how they are going to get on with the owners. I felt quite sad with these two, as the restaurant had not only drained them physically, but also financially, and they'd lost their home. They needed the guardian role as it came with the house, but a combination of his age, experience as a policeman and being self-employed for the last 20 years, was not a good match for the owner's 28-year-old son, who was now staying at the villa for the next six months and needed round-the-clock staff doing things his way. They argued a lot, as they both had to be right. Plus, other staff were really feeling tired from the extra hours they were picking up for him as he just refused to go over a set amount of hours. What's frustrating here is that this could have been resolved in the interview. It's so important for a living role, as the owner, to be very honest about what your expectations are. And as the candidate, it is so important to be honest about your limits. This lovely couple were looking for a guardian couple job that had a slow pace where the main property was probably empty for up to nine months of a year. But they came to a villa that worked like a hotel with many guests and high demands from the owners. It's frustrating as both opportunities positions are possible to achieve and actually this couple would have been perfect for the quieter months when no one was home and they would have properly taken care of it which is so valuable. Making this story more frustrating is that this particular villa sadly got sold in 2022, long after my departure. And a big part of the reason to do that was that the maintenance had gotten out of control due to uncaring guardians and inexperienced staff, which consequently meant it deteriorated more than the owners were prepared to invest. I don't think this would have happened if that guardian couple had been there um, in the winter months. They would have taken real good care of the property. So my last story for this episode is about when clients use a test and track method for new staff or potentially new staff. So it's not that this client has a short fuse. 
is that you just don't know what's going to trigger it. When I first started working for her, the gardener told me that she thrived off chaos. The more chaotic, the better, and she loved it, and she loved to spend the day fixing everything. Multiple big things could go wrong at once, and she would be on it, making calls, sometimes on three different cell phones at the same time, and she loved it. But I remember one time, I'd not been working for her for a long time, and she asked me to drive into the village and buy some watermelon, as that is what she fancied to breakfast. On arrival back to the villa, she shouted down for me to go up to her bedroom to collect something, and she saw the watermelon in my bag. She asked me if I'd also bought a cantaloupe, as it was now that type of melon that she wanted. I said no. The main food shop was already happening with the chef, so I knew much fruit was being bought, so I literally only bought what she asked me for. Which, incidentally, never happens now. Based on this experience, if I go shopping for one thing, I come back with everything. Anyway, she asked me to pass her the watermelon, and once in her hands, she threw it at my head. It hit me, bounced off me, hit the wall, and made a mess. And for her, the rest of the day was, of course, terrible. She was angry all day. What she did like, though, was lots of people running around after her. So alongside me, she asked for the housekeeper, the gardener and the chef to help with the cleanup. And this also helped keeping divide and conquer alive, as the mess was clearly my fault. Another thing that she liked was to tell new people, especially new staff, how busy she was, but never had the time to really focus as she always had to deal with messy staff. And this was a perfect line for new staff as it instantly made them feel like their skill set was now all she needed to have the perfect home. She was actually interviewing this day for a new second housekeeper, so of course the whole watermelon gate was 100% planned to bring her the chaos she needed, but it was what came after the interview that surprised us all. So after the housekeeper helped with the melon clean-up and she was near the principal's bedroom, so she just went in to make the bed. And as she was making the bed, she found a large and perfectly formed ball of poo under the duvet. Um, can't sugarcoat that. <laughs> now, not thinking twice, she stripped the bed in its entirety to be washed and remade the bed with fresh linen. At this point, obviously zero judgment and zero communication to anyone else. A short while later, the principal came into the kitchen and said to the housekeeper, Oh, you changed my sheets. And still with zero judgment or communication to anyone else, she simply said, Yes, I thought you might like cleaned it in tonight. And that was that. So fast forward a few hours and we're now all interviewing the potential new housekeeper. And the principal declares, You know, my bed has not been made yet. Would love to get a sense of your work. Could you go upstairs and make my bed? The candidate, of course, says yes, and I show her the way to the principal's bedroom. Now, ten minutes later, she comes back down and asks me where the clean linen is kept, as she needs to change the sheets. Now, me, having heard the previous conversation, where the main housekeeper had said she'd put on new linen, I casually said, it's okay, the bed just needs making up, so she can see your style. And she blushed slightly and told me that she had found a... A ball of poo on the sheet under the duvet and it left it out mark etc and she needs it to change so yes that client really had left her mark in the original bedding especially 
for the new potential housekeeper to find at her interview, and then went back and left another one on finding that her bed had been changed with new linen. (laughs) Now, as funny or not as you hear this, this is a real red flag for me in clients' behaviour with regard to trust issues. Now, I'm all for setting up tests at an interview, but the candidate has to be in on it too, and I feel setting traps crosses a line. To me, it's like leaving a $20 bill and a $5 bill on the floor, and then asking if has anyone seen only the $5 bill, uh, which you must have dropped. And incidentally, this client did that a lot. It's basic and it just makes everybody feel uncomfortable. And when the main principal shows mistrust in staff, it has a domino effect on everybody. Like any profession, of course you have your rogue staff and employers. But I feel in private service, when your staff are living in, you have to be extra sure of potential red flag situations. Both ways. You know, one place I worked in, for the first few days, I had no idea how I got out. As everything was an electronic door or gate that needed a code or beeper to open it. So always pay attention to your surroundings as well. Now, I rarely see a red flag these days, and I hope these stories don't put anyone off wanting to go into private service. 99% of my time is wonderful, and the relationships I have with other staff and my clients are lifelong. Thanks for listening.